Good day and welcome to Practice Blueprint, the podcast. Each episode of Practice Blueprint captures our success and shares it with other practitioners. Our success is based on already making big mistakes so you don't have to. See, over the years, we have been fortunate to capture a proven, sustainable, and successful program which will eliminate fear, frustration, and stress while it advances your competency and your confidence so that you can develop a sustainable, profitable, natural health business. This system is built by practitioners for practitioners. It is not theory. It has been proven with over 30,000 clinical hours of hands-on experience to support it. In each episode, we will address real clinical challenges with proven, accessible solutions any practitioner can benefit from. This, in turn, will position you to develop that natural health business you've always dreamed of. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint. Hello and welcome to Practice Blueprint, the podcast. This is specific for natural health practitioners. And today we have a very, very special episode for you. We have a visitor in the clinic, uh, Ms. Shayla from Green River. Yes. Oh, good. I, I knew I was going to, I thought I was going to mess that up. Well, I've messed it up three times this morning already. So, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mostly because you have Rock Springs right by you too. And so we've been talking about you kind of building your business with both of those, right? Because you're right. You're right there with both of them. So Ms. Shayla is here for a clinical shadow day, which we do offer, um, especially for those interested in doing our mentorship program, but maybe are on the fence or aren't sure. Um, but welcome. Thank you. How's your morning been so far? It's been very enlightening. Enlightening? Yes. I've learned a lot about the way you handle clients, um, how important that is. Yeah. And Dan does a very good job of that. <laughs> By handle, do you mean um, like uh, his communication patterns? Yes. Yeah. The dynamic there? There's a lot of consistency, right? Like a lot of it's repetitive, but then it becomes flexible enough to be specific to them. and so. Correct. And like, it keeps you on track while also making them feel important and valued and still that's a great building point. the relationship there. That's a great point. One of the things that we talk about with especially our front office and the other practitioners here is there's two things that people are really wanting to, to experience like as fast as possible regardless of where they go and how many times they've been there. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, you'll, if you'll notice like this afternoon, one of the things that like I can't get Craig to do this, but you know, we give Craig leniency. Um, <laughs> I don't ask people, how are you? I ask them, I say, welcome back. Mm-hmm. So see, kind of, now that I've said that, you can kind of see how this afternoon goes. But there's, there's things that, that they want to feel appreciated, they want to feel welcome. Welcome back, thank you so much for being on time. Whatever it is, that, whatever you develop as a habit for communication, mm-hmm. as long as it's sincere and you mean it, right? The energy comes across and they know it. Yeah. Um, and you can stay on track with them much easier when you establish that from from the get go. So, an important piece. Will you, Dan, share with us um, because you have had the pleasure and honor of having a lot of different individuals come through and do shadow days, right? Um, share with us maybe some of the big takeaways that they that you've seen of like why that can be important. Yeah. 
There's three that I try to get people to focus on. Number one, the first and foremost is to see what the, what is possible, right? Mm -hmm. that, that there's people in every community, regardless of where you go in the country, that want what we have to offer. They want it, they're looking for it, they're hungry for it. In some in cases, they're starving for it. Um, they're so upset, they're so beat down, they're so full of fear, they're so frustrated with the modern merry-go-round of care that they've been receiving, and they're ready for a change, they're ready for a new approach. And so the first thing to look at from a shadow day perspective is how many, the possibilities. Look at all the different walks of life. Younger, older, moms, dads. Of course, we haven't had any men yet today, have we? No. We haven't had one man. So that also holds true to what my father said 20 years ago. Our demographic of the people that are really do take better care of themselves are women, okay? Mm -hmm. 35 to 55, that is really the, 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 you know, the classification of nutritional therapy, what we focus on, because those people are in a position where they're ready for what we have to offer. So the number one thing is look at the possibilities. You know, the second thing is the, the diverse handling of cases, different things going on, neurological stuff versus like the one gal with the Bell's palsy versus the digestive stuff versus I'm not responding, I'm feeling better, but I'm not responding still, right? And, mm -hmm. and re-evaluating and handling those cases specific to the person, yet in a very structured way, right? So there's, so that helps develop your confidence and your competence that they, I can do this. This, you know, I, I see how this can be handled. The communication is the same. You're delivering specific quality of care um, and you're helping these people resolve things that no one else is gonna be able to help them solve. So those are like the, the big things, right? What are the possibilities for you? Do you see yourself doing it? Handling a, a, a variety of cases and then walking away from the after, like tonight when you leave, saying to yourself, being able to answer the question, honestly, I feel a little more empowered or I feel a little bit more confident about my decision to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certainly a lot more to learn because you're getting exposed to, you know, things that, that you as an individual client years ago, you only saw your piece. Yes. But when you step back on a shadow day, you're going to see 25 or 23 people coming through today that, you know, you're going to see the bigger picture. And then how do I blend that into, you know, asking yourself, how do I make that happen in my own community? So, so those are the big things, mm -hmm. I think. I would really love to ask uh, why or how you got into natural health, if you would be willing to share your personal story. Because a lot of people, if you just ask a random person on the street, right, about a naturopath or natural health practitioners, unless they've been exposed, right, or had a personal experience in this world, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are, um, it's very unknown for them, right? Yeah. And so kind of what, what led you down this path that made you say, hmm, I maybe want to take on that role of helping others? Um, initially, when I first came to see you guys, I was having a lot of allergy issues and had already gone through the allergy test and was about to start getting the immunotherapy injections, but I wasn't very keen on that. I didn't feel like I wanted to do that every day or have to take allergy pills every day. Um, I had started doing some research and my aunt had already been exposed to you guys and had suggested I try this. So I personally drove four hours to come, like every time I came for my appointment, four hours one way. Mm -hmm. um, but it was such a better resolution, and as I'm sure everybody's heard Dan tell them, well, you're eating something you shouldn't. <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> I mean, it took not even a week for me to not be stuffy anymore, not have those symptoms, um, which was 
amazing, even with the terrible injections, it would have taken much longer. So I have been a client for I have three or four years uh, between Dan and April. Um, and I just see so many people. I was just referring people left and right. <laughs> like, hey, you guys need to do this. And I guess finally I was like, I need to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, you know, for people. So I started looking to, into what that would take. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I always think the best practitioners are the ones that start off just so passionate oh. that they're telling everybody, you mm -hmm. need to go check this out, yep. right? Um, and also willing to step outside of the comfort zone to share that with others. Um, because sometimes that can be kind of scary when this is a little bit of, you know, it's, it's just different from how we've been conditioned to mm -hmm. think about our health. And so even though we are all, you know, completely on board with it, when you present it to another person, it can be a little scary just because if it's new to them, right, we're not always receptive to new and unknown. And so, um, so yeah, so kudos to you. That's kind of like the first step to becoming a successful practitioner. You've got a, an interesting market over there too, I think. I'm excited for you for that area. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit smaller population than here by about half. Right, yeah. within a 15 or 20 minute radius, I guess, mm -hmm. um, which seems to be, from what I've seen and talked to other practitioners around the country, that seems to be like the, the perfect demo because they don't have, they don't have access to a lot of these kind of things, right? They're small yeah. enough that they might have like a, re, you know, a regional hospital maybe and a couple of, you know, urgent care situations and that's really... Yeah. the extent of it there may or may not be a specialist or two like one surgeon or one cardiologist or you have to go to a different region for a certain specialties mm -hmm. so you know 60 to 80 percent of the specialty type stuff they don't have unless you go to you know salt lake or come to cheyenne or something like that so it's four hours either way yeah. um, to get to the to access to that kind of thing so from a nutritional therapy perspective and the broadest range of cases that you're going to be able to help influence positively Regardless of those other things that they may or may not need from a primary care physician, um, I'm really excited because you're uniquely positioned to bring something that's desperately needed. It is, and there is um, a lot of interest in that in the community. I have been a part of kind of more natural um, health in the community for a little bit, so uh -huh. there's I know there's a lot of interest in that as well. Yeah, I think it's also the education piece, like breaking it down point by point, step by step, having that communication between you and Becca, mm -hmm. um, whether it's Trello or Facebook or however you decide to do it, but then stay consistent with one platform to really have access and break down how you're going to do all these things and, and educate each piece and be six steps ahead or 20 steps ahead of mm -hmm. clients only because you want to make sure you're positioning them to have that best experience possible. And you'll get more of that when we dive into more of the hands-on stuff, but mm -hmm. that's the mindset. I know you're going to bring it there well. I don't question that at all. Mm -mm. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> that was the, what do they call that? The pregnant pause? <laughs> I had a train the of thought and I, pause. yeah, I had a train of thought and I lost it. Oh. Um, yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about this morning, right? It, you're you're more of an educator than you are yes. anything, yeah. and um, and I and I get it. People spend a lot of time in school and maybe get um, 
some attachment to their title. I, yeah. I totally get that. But sometimes it's really important to put that in perspective in that it's not about the title. The title doesn't make the person. The person makes the title. Dan yeah. says this all the time, yeah. right? And that at the end of the day, it's really about you educating your community to make an impact with them, right? What you call yourself doesn't matter. Yeah. What, you know, that that's not what's important. Um, we need to let go of this, I'm a doctor, right? Yeah. Or I'm a doctor of naturopathy. And, and it's not to put anyone down that that's important to them. But right. at the end of the day, if you make an impact and people don't know what you technically are, sure. does the title matter. really matter? It doesn't. Well, and the, and the flip side of that, because to, to, what you're touching on is extremely important, but kept in the right perspective. Mm -hmm. The work that you and Tammy have done in the past to position practice blueprint to be submitted and approved by two national organizations for accreditation. Mm -hmm. So that gives, there's some kudos there, like there's a feather in the cap there, but it's not something that we like beat the drum on and make it the number one issue. If you're this person, if you have this title, then you're necessarily the best. And that's not true. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy that, and gal that left medical school with C's and D's is still called medical doctor. I mean, it's, they you are. know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's really about, it's really about the quality and does it position you to bring the kind of value you say you're going to bring in the community? That's that's what matters. Mm -hmm. And I've learned more through these last couple months. I actually was going to go the medical doctor route. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I have my bachelor's degree in physiology and an associate's degree in biology. And like, I was going that wow. route. Um, so this is such a better fit. And I've learned so much more about like general health than I had in the previous five years of learning about the body. I don't regret doing it because I am familiar with the processes sure, and such, sure. but such a different way of education and like whole body healing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad everything happened the way that it did. You remind me of something I heard a long time ago in, in a specialized world, the generalist wins. Yeah. And that's what we really are. I mean, we're, we're everyone's so groomed to think especially, especially, especially. Every single thing on a symptom service is standalone illness, which needs a specialized, you know, if you have a skin issue, well, it's a dermatologist, but if you have gas, well, now it's an upper GI guy. And if you have rashes, you know, then, you know, okay, go back to the dermatologist. But if you're, you know... They can if, never be related. Yeah. Or it could never be one thing. <laughs> like they're not if connected. You're, if you're depressed, <laughs> if you're depressed, you need, now you need a psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. And so everything is specialized with a specific set of procedures and drugs to, to match that merry-go-round effect. Mm -hmm. And this in a general way you can be very specific you can identify all these different things and just break it down into what's most important component which mm -hmm. liver has over on that system survey has over like 33 or 37 different primary um, expressions it can have when it's not functioning right, mm -hmm. right? Um, we know from our experience that yeast can have over 250 right mm -hmm. Iliocecal valve the iliocecal the, the great mimicker right we talked mm -hmm. about that with a client this morning I mean so in a, in a specialized world, the generalist wins because you have to be familiar with these in a general way, but they're very specific in terms of identifying, helping people identify why their body can't perform mm -hmm. the way it's designed to perform. And when you get the diet on point, supplements should reduce it. If they don't, there's other stress factors. I mean, so you know these things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it really, it takes away all the guesswork. You might have to do some more research, mm -hmm. right? But at least it takes away the guesswork. There's not this, well, it could be this, or it could be that. Here, try this and get back to me in six months, you know? Mm -hmm. Or it looks 
kind of like this disease, but there's one other symptom, so it must be something, yeah, it must be something completely novel. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's cool. I want to circle back to the communication because I know sure. this is probably one of the biggest benefits that students get going through the mentorship program that they don't even know they need, right? And it's not really being taught in schools um, because the schools focus on the technical side of it, right? But the the dynamic of communication between practitioner and client is crucial. That's the clinical side. That's the clinical side, and it is absolutely like... it, It has to be a specific dynamic in order for that client to not only get results, but to stay with you and to refer other people. 100%. And, um, you know, a lot of our conversations these last few weeks have been about perspective and helping people kind of look at things from different angles, um, to have some maybe, let's encourage critical thinking here and not just be following, you know, what someone else says without questioning it. But there was a conversation I heard, I think, that that was had between Dan and a client this morning that Shayla got to witness. Um, where the client was maybe asking your, was she asking your opinion on something? Can we touch base on that and share mm-hmm. um, what what that what was that about? She was asking about vaccines for her daughter and the two month old that, that the daughter has, and she's um, concerned, obviously, about doing having this done because uh, she could easily get a religious exemption. But she felt like she was lying, and I instantly kind of took like other end of the spectrum viewpoint on that. And especially knowing that her older son, who's six or seven, has is on the spectrum now because of getting vaccines done. So as a mom, you're questioning whether you should be loyal to the state or loyal to your family. That's not that shouldn't even come in question, mm-hmm. right? And so my decision is very simple. There, I do a religious exemption, right? Mm-hmm. In that moment, I claim there's a religious exemption if it's available to me. It's the fastest, mm-hmm. easiest way to expedite it. Yeah. And I don't have to prove my position on that. Right. I choose that position. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like me going in the garage and sitting out there all day and saying, I'm, a, I'm now a car. Why? Because I've sat in the garage all day, so now I'm a car. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's not really true. Mm-hmm. But it's my choice. If I want to call myself a car for the hour, I can call myself a car for the hour. Mm-hmm. If she wants to use a religious exemption, if that's available to her and that's a legal way to do it, I make that choice in that moment, right? Right. So the bigger answer to the question was about medical necessity or medical um, exemption with getting DNA tested. Mm. There, you can get DNA testing, which will show genetic SNPs or variances weaknesses for processing the substances found in vaccines Ah. cost a couple hundred bucks but if you can show a genetic weakness that your body can't really process those things Mm -hmm. then the opportunity of getting a medical getting a medical uh, exemption exists Mm -hmm. it's going to go that route is the problem i guess the whole point of the story is it's going to go that route to religious exemptions are going to go away i know and they're just going to keep eroding and keep eroding and keep eroding because they have an agenda. Um, it's an institutional thing. They're just they're just steamrolling through that, and it's going to be five years or fifty years. Who knows? But eventually, that's just what's going to happen. Right. So getting I think it's happening testing, in some states already. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. Genetic genetic exemptions, medical exemptions are going to be the only thing that will be recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what that will happen is that'll come into question. Mm-hmm. That well. You know, yeah, we know there's a weakness for that, but the, you know, 
the, the research doesn't support, or something will be quoted, right, that says mm-hmm. it doesn't really support, that that's only a one out of 12 situation. And so it really boils down to the bottom line is are people going to either demand that they have health freedoms, like they demand their religious freedoms, like they demand their freedoms of speech in this country? Are they going to make demands on that kind of stuff, or are they not? And that's really what it boils down to. And so with this particular question from this lady, no, after she said that about her daughter already has experience with one child, she's questioning whether she should be loyal to the state? I don't question that. And I understand there's Christian beliefs, I understand that there's, you know, there's ethics and there's morals, and I get that, and some people have a, you know, they don't have a seared conscience about things. I get that, I, and I appreciate that, I respect it. But really? The state on one hand, or the loyalty to your family on the other, that shouldn't even come in question, mm-hmm. in my mind, in my way of thinking, mm-hmm. right? It just shouldn't. Um, so that was kind of, I think I covered that. You yeah. were there. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's really what kind of boiled down to. It is. So. I just wanted to share that because you, you do, as a practitioner, get asked a lot of questions. And so it is important for you to not only self-educate yourself, not follow the right, the just mainstream information out there, um, but also be prepared to position people with questions that get them thinking. Because we're not trying to be in a position to just tell everybody our way is the only way. We're simply trying to get people to critically think and question things so that they can make an educated decision on their own. We're not saying, you know, follow us blindly. We're just saying, hey, go go look at the information for yourself. Question things, question this, question that, critically think about it. Yep. And so from a practitioner standpoint and any practitioner listening to this, it is important for, um, for you to be prepared and you always kind of have, have a really, a you, and have a position, but also have a way of responding with a question that gets them critically thinking about it so that they can contribute to whatever end result they come up with of what's best for them. Yep. But they do that in a way where they're not just blindly following. They're really like going through all of the resources available and, um, and really thinking about it. So Shayla comes up a lot. It does. It comes up a lot. It does. On different issues, different concerns. Um, so having a position on it, Here's how you know if you're on the right track and you ask yourself this question. If I was asked that question again this afternoon, would I answer this afternoon the same way I answered this morning? And if the answer is yes, I know I have the position that, I'm, that I want to present to anybody with. Mm-hmm. That's my position on it. As a, as a person, as a practitioner, as a father, as a grandfather, right? That's my position on that subject, regardless of who asks the question, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so if I, if I can answer to myself honestly, would I use that same approach every time? Well, then I know that I have the position I'm looking for. It's not a come see, come saw kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. not a flippant kind of response. It's like, you know, it's no different than the gal that said, well, I get asked by my primary care doctor about nutrition. And Oh, yes. Please share your response to this. That's, that's <laughs> one of the, that's the only thing that came to mind was when you have a medical doctor ask you or your clients about, well, what supplements are you taking? Oh, is it because you have extensive experience with nutrition and can help me with my supplement plan? See what they say. Because mm-hmm. most of them don't take a nutrition Because most of them don't have a clue. And they'll give you this, this song and dance bunk about how nutritional supplements are useless or you just have expensive pee or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I pose that question to her for her primary care the next time because it's a legitimate question. If you're my primary care physician, and oh, by the way, do you have extensive training in nutrition that can help me with my supplement plan? If, I, if you do have that, I want to know it. You can help me with this. Great. Yeah. But if you don't, then you don't have an opportunity. You don't get to be in a position to criticize that which you know about. You know, mm-hmm. that's, it's about taking that pedestal and knocking it out from under these people that have propped themselves up on it, that they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. They do not deserve it. Not that they're not great people, they serve a broke institution. That's the problem. And so that, that kind of thinking, they didn't come up with. It was planted there. Mm-hmm. They didn't come up with that. They were, it was suggested to them by, right, the puppet masters, I call them, <laughs> to ask these kind of questions that they have no clue on but because they have that position in the mind of the client that I'm up here and you're down here and don't question me when the client, as soon as the client asks a question like that, they just got equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just equalized the communication playing field. And more people need to step up and ask some questions. Cool, love to tell you about it. So tell me about your expensive experience in nutrition so you can help me with my supplement plan. Yeah. Ask the question. Yeah. And don't be afraid to speak up, too, because they have a tendency to try and back people in corners, yep. right? I well, have... where we think we learn bullying from in this country. Don't, if you don't do this, you can die. Yeah. Like, you need to do this. It's, it's all fear-based. Yeah, it's it's fear-based. Yeah. Right? Compliance. says it right up there on that little sheet there. Informed consent. Coercion occurs when an overt threat of harm is presented to another human being in order to get them to comply with what you want. That's called coercion. Did you know that's illegal? <laughs> to communicate with someone that way? Mm-hmm. But yet in that institution, it's done every moment yeah. by somebody somewhere, right? Again, a well-meaning person who's educated, who cares, who wants to see the best for their, their patients, but they are serving a broke system and they're committing coercion. Mm-hmm on a regular basis and nobody's calling them out on it. Mm-hmm. I say it's high time we call them out on it just to get the ped- just to get the communication equal. No longer on a pedestal. Get it equal. Forces them to start doing some critical thinking about their profession, about how they're communicating. And maybe some self-educating maybe that's some not self-education, so biased. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe broaden their approach and actually help their people more. What a concept. Yeah. Just spitballing. So you still, you, so you've only had a few hours in your shadow day. <laughs> Circle back around, <laughs> and you still have the afternoon, which is stacked with clients. Thirteen more to go. But your experience so far, I always say this is a good opportunity before like a final decision is made on the mentorship program. Mm-hmm. This is always kind of a good opportunity to see the good, the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. because this line of work is extremely rewarding and mm-hmm. fulfilling yeah. and right it just fills your heart when you make when you when you make a difference in people's lives and see you know i mean i know you have so many stories right and and so it's amazing but the flip side of is that we're working with people mm-hmm. and that can be challenging and that's why i bring up the communication thing over and over and over um, because we would love it if we could just tell people this is what you need to do and they would do it and all would be well in the world but, you told me. Yeah. but that's unfortunately <laughs> not where we are right <laughs> um, so just overall so far what has your experience been 
um, as far as seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly? I don't know. Um, I feel like I had a pretty good idea of it. Um, I expected challenges with boundaries and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a personal challenge of mine anyways. So I expected that to, and it's something I've been working on recently. So I expected that to come up. Mm -hmm. Um, Really interesting to see. I like seeing how people handle it. I'm a real example person. Like, oh, so what would you say there? (laughs) As I'm learning the ropes there. Um, My decision was already solidified before um, the shadow day. So Mm. I... Um, but I have had the privilege of working with April a lot and seeing a, a lot of her behind the scenes as yeah, well. Sure. Um, and I've been tossing it around for quite a while, probably mm-hmm. a year now, you know, trying to make sure. things um, align so that I could do this. So yeah. I think that the good is definitely going to outweigh the bad and the ugly. Good. I think it's obvious in um, your guys' demeanor and the way the clinic runs. Mm-hmm. Um People are difficult, but it's manageable, and yeah. we're all we're all difficult. We're seeing the world through our own lens, and sometimes it's interesting to like put that back in perspective mm-hmm. that their actions have a whole lot less to do with us than it does with them. Oh, that's just, a great way to put it. I just recorded it. So um, what you're telling me, or what you're sharing, Rowan, I just recorded for Beck. I haven't given it to her yet, but I just recorded. I think it was this morning or yesterday. Psychology of a sick person right? Mm-hmm. The mindset of a sick person. I haven't quite come up with the title yet, but I was talking about as a practitioner, all those negative things that have built up potentially before they get to us. So that's mm-hmm. why we have to overcome all of that. Plus help them get confident, plus help their family, leave them alone. Plus, I and mean, there's so many things to mm-hmm. what we have to be able to do. Not that we all do it every time successfully, because sometimes yeah. you're just not going to have, but we have to be in a position to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I can't remember, I can't remember if it's going to be the psychology or the mindset of a sick person. All the fear mm. and all the resentment, all the merry-go-round, all the past, right? And we have to remember when the, the first time they come in, when that phone rings, they have all that baggage, potentially. Likely. I, Likely. I feel Good like way, yeah. unless you've been exposed to this prior, yep. everybody's just being shoved through that same system. Yep. And until they're like, this isn't working. Yep. They're not coming this way. And so they have already been through that. They're already unhappy and they don't feel good and they're not getting any results. And they've realized something better has to. What, what, what was the last question I want to ask you is what was the, what solidified your decision to do Um, the mentorship program? Oh gosh. Probably the practitioner weekend. I was pretty sure before that and kind of already taking steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed, like, I guess knowing that it's going to be such a laid out system. Like, you guys mm-hmm. have it pretty much figured out, a really replicable system. Um, it takes a lot of the fear out of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? good. Um, and you guys have helped so many people get clinics up and they are able to help people and make it work. Um, so you have the understanding of how to not only heal the people, but make it a business that is successful. So you can do that as a living. So I think, um, hearing the other practitioners, seeing the ongoing, um, education that you guys offer and just seeing like everything that's offered in it. It's like, okay, do this and there you have a business. So plug and play. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. 
Well, thank cool. you so much. We That's will awesome. we will continue to follow Shayla, and she is hopefully going to have a wonderful rest of her shadow day. Yes, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint, the podcast. In order to get connected with us by way of Facebook or online or with our LinkedIn accounts, check us out at our website, countrydoctorwholesale.com. It's countrydoctorwholesale.com. There you can get plugged into a number of resources, give us feedback, ask questions, find out about future practitioner events, and be plugged into the Practice Blueprint Manual, which does provide over 20 hours of continuing education credits for practitioners that need it. It is a accredited nationally program with the ANMCB and the AANWP. So again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you next time on Practice Blueprint, the podcast.